Hello and welcome to this week's Property Matters on Dublin South FM, the show that brings global trends to an Irish audience. You can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your host today is myself, Carl Talon. We have something a little bit different on the show today. We're on location in Waterford with Regina Mankin and Maria Clifford, directors at Liberty Blue Estate Agents for our Waterford special. Ladies, thank you both for joining us today. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. So, as I mentioned, we're on location here in Waterford. So I think maybe the first thing to do is point out that Liberty Blue, although not in that name, was one of the was one of or the first property lettings company in Waterford. Oh, the very first. The very first. The very first. When are we going back to? Nineteen ninety seven. So it was a very different world back then, before Google, before Facebook. In fact, actually, it was Telexland. So we didn't have all the platforms, technology and social media. None of that existed. Daft in my home. No property portals or anything. Don't remember. I don't think so. No, definitely not. It was an ad in the Monster Express, actually. I'll give him a shout out. <laughs> um, yeah, it was an ad in the paper. Queues of people coming to the office. Um, very, very different world. Different world, different technologies. But some things remained the same. Back then, Waterford would have been certainly a student hub. That's something that hasn't changed. But in terms of business, people coming to the area for employment, you know, Waterford has taken a bit of a battering over the past decade and a half. Where are we in terms of recovery and coming out of that? Well, I suppose I just go back to 1997. We didn't have any apartment blocks. So it was a very, very different world. Um, We had old houses in old residential areas. And so we didn't actually have the product. And it wasn't until... 2004, uh, when the apartment blocks went up, um, particularly as a result of Section 23 tax incentives, that actually everything changed in the property rental market. We were positioned um, and ready, um, providing a service, and then our opportunity arose. So um, in terms of now and Waterford, and I suppose the recession, um, property, the market fell off a cliff and I always say that, unfortunately, we fell further off that cliff and we kept falling and falling and falling when maybe in Limerick and Cork and Galway, they'd stop falling. And why do you think that is? Um, I suppose, look, uh, I do think every major city, a a key um, contributor to growth and the economy is university. Um, We don't have a university here. Um, And... That, that had a big impact in terms of attracting industry. Um, if you look at Limerick, they've Shannon Airport, they've all that large industry, they have University of Limerick. So they're all key um, contributors to attracting industry because there's a talent pool in the area. Yeah. So, um, but look, in terms of opportunity, I mean, look, in terms of the boom, apartments sold for mid to late 300,000 euro because of the tax breaks. Then when the crash happened, those same assets were then selling for 10% of their original price. So they were selling for 30,000. Now that was before we were selling. We didn't start selling until 2014. Um, and you, actually, they weren't selling at all because I suppose like any market, the most important thing is confidence. So there was no confidence. Mm-hmm. I suppose in retrospect, people were kicking themselves they didn't buy them. But yeah. then as things progressed in the economy, they went up to 60,000 and that was a slow progression. Um, but those now are worth probably the average two bed apartment is selling for around 120,000. In they, the city centre? Yeah. So that's still that's still low. What kind of rental income would you be expecting from that on a monthly basis? 
Maria? Um, so the average rents in the city for a two-bed apartment on a monthly basis will be in the region of eight fifty to nine fifty a month, depending on the quality of property. Great. So a yeah. property that can be purchased for one twenty. Yeah, you can get a yield of anything between eight percent to ten percent. So you're talking centre. double what you're getting um, anywhere in the capital. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's unbelievable, and you get naught in the bank. So if you've yeah. got cash. Waterford is a really great place for investors to invest in now. Um, obviously, there isn't huge volumes of stock in terms of these apartments available, but they are popping up on a regular basis. A shrewd investor will be looking at the Waterford market for good yield. Okay, but what kind of investors are looking at the Waterford market at the moment? Because we know the PRS development hasn't really hasn't really taken off outside of the main urban centres. Have we any PRS in Waterford? Um, so the types of investors that would be coming to us, there would be people buying through their pension fund or taking a mortgage out through their pension fund. Um, people that may have been left in inheritance. So a lot of them would be cash buyers, but we do get... And would they be local? No, it makes... So um, you would have local, but you would have people like coming from Cork and Dublin, um, Limerick at times. And then also we would have um, some... I suppose, younger Irish people and Eastern Europeans trying to get on the property ladder, that's a new trend. They're beginning to buy apartments to live in as homes. So that's quite new over the last these, But these are months. people obviously who are working locally. They are indeed, So yeah. employment still feeds into demand yes, across the property yeah, sector. Absolutely. In terms of foreign direct investment, has Waterford seen its share? No, definitely not. And that's, but that's a, that's a departure from where we might have been a decade and a half ago because Waterford... Um, like Limerick and Galway would have been destinations for foreign direct investment. So that seems to have stopped in all of the regional cities. Yeah, I suppose, look, the rea- we're very fortunate, though, in terms of, let's not be overly negative here, We like in terms of our counterparts, uh, Galway and Limerick, we're not getting that investment. Um, uh, but we are very strong in terms of pharma. So there's quite um, a number of big pharmaceutical companies um, we had um, West Pharma, yeah. who are one of the world's biggest pharmaceutical firms um, established in Waterford in the last five years. So so that's very positive. We've got Bosch and Lam. Yeah. Bosch and Lam expanded enormously in recent years. So, you know, we do have some big American multinationals here, but we need more. Is Pharma, um, are they, would that be a labour intensive facility? You know, when a facility like that opens or expands, does it bring the employment that's expected? You know, because, I mean, we could look at uh, uh, logistics centres or or data centres, and they tend not to bring the employment. Is pharma... Um, I think with pharma, yeah, it does. And I think it's usually when they expand, it's substantial and it seems to be in the hundreds. Okay. And And is it a skilled workforce? Yes, it is, yeah. Yeah, and educated workforce, yeah. And that's obviously where Waterford comes into its own, because I know, um, Regina, you mentioned it doesn't have university status but obviously the Waterford IT um, has expanded a lot over the past two decades Um, certainly it was touted to be getting university status it was it's in the pipeline apparently it's on the horizon but you know we just want to hear it's done now (laughs) okay and I suppose the week that's in it and the month that's in it we can't reflect on the Waterford property market and the the potential future of the property uh, of the the property market in Waterford, without looking at the political um, position, and obviously after the election, things are still very uncertain. We yes. don't know what shape the next government will take. Yeah, we're not entirely sure who our next uh, housing minister will be. Although obviously the speculation does tend to lead down one road. Um, 
how important will the policy of the next government be for the development of Waterford at the stage we're at at the moment? Well, I think it's actually going to be critical to every um, city and county in Ireland. Um, it's something that we're very passionate about because housing, first of all, we have to remember that it's a primary need, a roof over our heads. We all need a roof over our heads. And, you know, even speaking to landlords, I say, just remember if you're giving notice that somebody's home. Okay, so we have to start with the humanitarian side of things. The rental market is grossly, grossly dysfunctional. Okay, and as agents, we would feel that as well. I think in every deal, there has to be a win-win. You can't have a scenario where the tenant feels grossly ripped off and you can't have a scenario where the private landlord feels grossly overtaxed because let's face it, for every thousand euros rent, the landlord is paying in the region of 600 euros in tax. So it's not as rosy as everybody feels. There is definitely an anti-landlord mentality. But the big, big issue we've got here is that Ireland is reliant on the private market to provide supply. And everything is down to supply and demand. So until social housing is built and until there is accommodation there, this crisis is not going to be solved. Now, bringing in complete rent freezes, in my view, will actually drive more landlords out of the market and perception is, af is always greater than reality and if there's a perception that the anti-landlord mentality is growing and growing and growing people's appetite for investment in property I think will diminish my own personal view uh, we've already seen um, I think a little slowdown in the rentals I think people are cautious I think they're expecting some big news in terms of rents prices are going to come down I don't see rent prices coming down, but something is going to have to change. Mm -hmm. I think the previous legislation in terms of putting a moratorium on rent increases for two years was the biggest failing the government ever did. I knew it. I said it on radio. When you freeze rents for two years, then you drive them up at a rapid level when that moratorium is over. And that's what happened, isn't yeah, it, Maria? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. And Maria, I know you're in direct contact with landlords day in, day out. Um, over the last number of years, uh, estate agency lobby groups uh, and representative bodies and many other bodies were talking about this mass exodus of private landlords from the market. And it seemed to there seemed to be a lag before um, the the uh, RTB figures actually showed that to be the case. So there was actually strong denial that private landlords were leaving the market, even though anecdotally, every single estate agent and, and managing agent around the country seemed to be having the same experience. So in Waterford, are you starting to, are our landlords, first of all, are they leaving the market? Yeah, absolutely. We've had many clients, I suppose, over the last three to four years, they've come out of, they may have been accidental landlords. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they're out of negative equity, they sell up. So they don't choose to remain as landlords? No, they don't choose to remain as landlords. Not that profile of person that became a landlord. Can we pinpoint that to a particular reason? Is it is it increasing um is it increasingly burdensome tax yeah. or compliance issues? Um so the the compliance um does scare some landlords, but I think when they have a good agent involved in managing the property for them, they know all that has been taken care of. So they're they're okay with that. It's the tax. Yeah. Yeah. It's so it's tax. just not, not very viable it, for yeah. them. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. So I mean, that's certainly not a Waterford issue. This this is a this is a nationwide issue. So but you would imagine in a city where you have, you know, strong student or strong student accommodation needs and um, consistent, would it be fair to say, employment 
um, employment needs that a water a city like Waterford, where you're getting double the you're getting double the yield. Now, does, does that make it interesting for investors? Yes, you see, it's a different climate now for the new investor as opposed to the investor who bought at the height of the boom. So yeah. if you can imagine, we've multiple clients with apartments in the city centre where they pay north of 300,000 for them. Those assets now, if we were to round off the numbers, are worth a third of the price they paid for them. No tax break is going to fill that gap. Mm-hmm. So um, I suppose there's a sense of, there's a, a grieving process attached to that because their asset is worth nothing. Mm-hmm. It's actually a debt. It's loose around their necks. For the investor coming in now, buying that property that they paid north of 300,000 for 100, 120, 110, 105, they're benefiting brilliantly. So why are they benefiting? They're getting a, a good return, okay? Despite the tax, if you can imagine, if somebody has 100,000 resting in their bank account, 110,000, they buy it for cash, they get uh, a return even a gross return but if you net that back after tax they can offset fees and everything against their tax liability but they're getting an income that they wouldn't get from the bank Mm -hmm. they're also growing their asset value it's appreciating in value because they're buying i won't say the bottom of the market but they're buying at a rising market level because you will never ever ever build those apartments for one hundred twenty thousand. it can't be done Mm -hmm. so I think. Well, that leads us then to an interesting question because when we talk about uh, investors in a regional city like Waterford getting double the yield as they might in the capital, generally what offsets that is the capital, the potential for capital appreciation. Yes. So where, look, nobody has a has a crystal ball. We're not asking you to forecast or call the market. But in terms of capital appreciation, you know, what advice are you giving to would-be landlords or people who are potentially looking at the market and want to know what the forecasts are likely to be for the next five to ten years? Um, I suppose if we look at back over the last five years, most people that would have invested there, the value of their assets have doubled, but they bought at a you know very low price. Mm-hmm. Um, into the future, I think this year, I think prices are going to be steady. I think they're going to be fairly on par with last year. Um, after that, I, d- I can't predict it. I couldn't yeah. call it. You would hope they would go up, you know, 10% yeah. over the next couple of years. Yeah, and I suppose, look, a lot depends on external economic factors, right? So let's just uh, imagine if the North Keys goes ahead. Imagine if we get university status. Those type of things um, will mean that we should be bridging the gap between, let's say, Limerick, where I'm from originally. Mm-hmm. Like, at the end of the day, an apartment in Limerick on par, it's probably 50,000 more expensive than Waterford. So, and in terms of the rental income that that apartment might generate, where does that put the yields in comparison to Waterford? Um, from when I checked, um, I think the yields are higher. But again, it depends. You know, it's like anything with data. It You have to compare apples with apples. So I think um, entering the market in Limerick is you're entering at a higher level. There is still a ceiling on, on rents, um, but uh, I think we, we still have more to go in Waterford at possibly a slower rate. Okay. And obviously, I can't visit Waterford without talking about the most speculated uh, potential development um, in outside of Dublin uh, and certainly in the southeast over the past number of years, and that is the redevelopment of North Quays. What's the sentiment in Waterford like about that? Well, I think everyone's very hopeful and everybody wants it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that they're relying on government funding for 
to do with the infrastructure, you know, in order then for the next phase, I suppose, to be um, developed. I know that they have said that possibly at the end of this year or early next year that they'll start construction. But, you know, we will have to wait and see. OK, and actually, just for people who maybe aren't familiar with that development, although it has been profiled in so many of the national um, and regional newspapers over the last number of years. So can you give us an overview of the the proposed North development? Well, I suppose the big thing for so long was that the application hadn't gone in. Um, the planning application was a mammoth effort mm-hmm. um, between um, all the parties concerned. So the application has gone in in the last two months. That's that's the biggie. Okay, and it's the North Keys we're referring to. Yes, the so North Keys. It's say in terms of Rice Bridge as you enter Waterford. So Rice Bridge, yeah, it's just beyond that. Mm-hmm. On the as if you were heading to Ferrybank on the New Ross Road. Um, so there is plans to move the train station into the North Quay. So there's a new transport hub, a pedestrian bridge then as well, going across this, like over to the other part of the city. So it's joining the North Quays to the city centre. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's for pedestrians and bikes. Then there's plans also to run the greenway from the new greenway from New Ross into Abbeylands near the North Quays as well, and would we'll join up to the existing Greenway, which goes on then to Dungarvan. Yeah, um, and actually the Greenway, the Dungarvan Greenway, um, that that got that um, launched to great applause. You know, it's something that has really become a tourist feature in the southeast. Yeah, has that had? Have you seen a positive effect in the city for that? Uh, um, not so much, right? Um, but in Dungarvan, I live in Ring in the Gwail Talk, 10 minutes outside of Dungarvan, and it's mammoth what's happened. Um, we see coffee shops uh, popping up, um, new ones. Um, in terms of, it's probably quite seasonal, let's say, you know, from Easter onwards, the Greenway's populated with visitors, people with bicycles everywhere. Airbnb has exploded, and obviously that's impacting the rental supply. Of course. But, um, Dungarvan is a phenomenal story in Ireland, in rural Ireland, in terms of what's happening there. I'd highly recommend a visit to any listeners. Um, it's absolutely beautiful and it's going against the trend of rural towns. That's really interesting because it's always, it has long been a desirable location in terms of food tourism. Absolutely, it is. I mean, I think we've a few celebrities to thank. Um, giving an ad to Paul Flynn and Eunice Parr um, in terms of their wonderful culinary businesses. I mean, Eunice caters in, in the O2 in Dublin, if it's still called that. Maybe it's not, I'm not sure. Um, and in Tree Arena. Tree Arena, sorry. It's gone through a few yeah, different guises. And, and Paul Flynn in terms yeah. of the tannery and their cooking. And then obviously we have... Uh, the famous uh, John Garvin Food Festival. We've got some beautiful venues. And, you know, as a member of the West Waterford Chamber of Commerce, when we go to events, they're in the most stunning venues. Mm. Like in Stradbally, um, that beautiful house in Stradbally. I'm just trying to think. There's a, a an event there um, in a, the most beautiful period home. Then we have Lismore Castle, where often the yeah. Chamber Awards are. I mean, it's it's we're very lucky. Waterford City and County has always had a geographical look um, advantage in terms of the natural beauty. And that's something that that obviously will stand to it. Um, so we need to take a quick break now. We'll be back with Regina Mangan and Maria Clifford of Liberty Blue Estate Agents after the break. Broadcasting to South Dublin on 93.9. This is Dublin South FM. 
Uh, welcome back to Property Matters with myself, Carol Talon, and you can contact us on Twitter at iProperty Radio or email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. As mentioned before the break, we're on location in Waterford with Regina Mangan and Maria Clifford, directors of Liberty Blue Estate Agents. So before the break, we spoke a lot about the Waterford market. One of the things that I'm very keen to speak to you both today about is the business of property management, because Liberty Blue is the largest um, property lettings management firm in the southeast. And I think that this is particularly interesting for our, certainly for our estate and letting agent um, listeners right across the country. So I'd love to d- dig a little bit deeper into the business of property management. Can you give us even roughly or a guide, how many units would you have under management at the moment across Liberty Oh, Group? not too far off 500, but I suppose in terms of rentals, we'd probably do about 700 rentals in a year. Um, then we manage a number of blocks, developments. Uh, we don't have the same scale in terms of the developments in um, Dublin. I suppose the largest block would that we that we did manage before, um, I, I, before, um, an owner took over that particular site was 111 units. Now it's typically 55, but um, it's a busy business. Yeah, and I I think Liberty Blue is probably unusual in, in so far as most estate agencies start their lives as estate agencies and then maybe take on lettings. And it's something that they might maybe see the value of if if it's not done particularly efficiently. Whereas you actually started life as a letting agency and you were doing that for almost two decades before branching into sales. Is that fair to say? So your expertise, you know, that's the process that you would streamlined. Yeah, it is. And I suppose it's easier to go from lettings to sales than sales to lettings because you learn so much. Um, And obviously we understand property so much because of all the maintenance and going in and looking at it and dealing with the, there's a whole life journey with the landlord and with the tenant, as opposed to the sales process tends to end when you hand over the keys. Yeah, um, yeah it's, um, it's, it's a fascinating business. Um, it's a tough business. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I went to the UK years ago to look at the idea of possibly franchising, and then I came back and went, we're not going to be, I don't want to be in the business of franchising because that's a different business. Mm-hmm. I saw that the most successful um, property managers were actually run by former army people. Isn't that really interesting? That is interesting. It's a process-driven right? approach. So I met these guys in, in the UK who were former Navy, Army, um, Air Corps people who um, put together the most amazing systems. So from very far back, I realised gee, we weren't at the races at all. So obviously, um, back five years ago was when the real change came for us. Right. And well, let, let's just explore a little bit deeper, though, about what is involved, because how many people are on your team at the moment? How many people are involved in Liberty Blue? Nine in total. But that doesn't even include all our contractors. We probably deal with about 20 contractors. Yeah. And we would procure um, services in the region of 500,000 annually, locally, for management services and that doesn't include our own business services yeah okay well i I said the reason i want to to narrow down into trying to determine how many people are required to manage a certain number of units and that to me is something that is really important because when i speak to estate and letting agents right around the country um the the variety 
it can be quite wide and, and I'm trying to be diplomatic in my language here, but we've gone into small farms where one person is employed in maybe a three person office. One person is employed to manage 15 or 20 rentals and they find it a full time job with that because none of the management side of things is streamlined. So therefore, everything becomes a very big issue right down to, you know, phone calls to uh, utility managers to change over, you know, things like that suddenly become very big issues. And I think why this is so interesting is during the crash, what we saw is that estate agents that had a good, solid property management book survived. They did because it's a, recurring, it's a recurring revenue model. So Absolutely. ultimately it means that every month you have your recurring revenue. Yeah. Um, I suppose in terms of our own journey, with the economy of scale to allow us to invest in technology. Yeah. Um, we've been able to grow the business and we've been able to make some serious improvements to our bottom line through the efficiencies. So five years ago, myself and Maria went to the UK. We went to a conference, a prop tech conference, and I'm pretty crap at technology, I'll be very honest, but I was blown away. I was like someone on speed over there. I was so excited to see the innovation and technologies. And it was a great lens to see how things could be. So then we met this guy called Christian from a business called Base, who are like multiple award winners. And I love giving him I a I know plug. Christian and he has launched his own prop tech company since then, I, The Depository. He has indeed. And like, I've been over to visit him a couple of times. He's like my unpaid mentor. Fantastic. Um, and he he's just... He's just um, he's just infectious person to be around. The minute I heard him speak at the event, I said, Marie, we're coming back. So I invited ourselves back and we spent a day with him and he was extraordinarily generous. So that set the vision and the tone for how things could be for us. So it's been, uh, I suppose, maybe a four year journey in terms of the implementation of the technology. Mm-hmm. You can't put everything in at the one go. You have to kind of look and say, well, where are the big, where's the biggest pain? Right. And and there's a huge amount of touch points in terms of property management. So we needed to look at kind of improving efficiencies and looking at doing more high value work. Mm-hmm. So um, like, for example, reference checking was desperate. I think, right. When you say desperate, do you mean it was time consuming? Oh, yeah. Alex. So imagine two girls on reception, right, with two different emails. You rent a property to three people sharing. They both sent in emails with references. They're coming in at different times. Somebody's off sick. You're scrolling through the emails and you're just going, it's just time consuming and messy. So Maria found this um, platform called Planet Firefront. You might talk about that. Yeah, so it's a platform, a secure platform. So when we have an applicant at a property, so we'd often do open viewings as well. That's another way we become, I suppose, efficient. And it gives everybody a very fair chance to view a property and apply for that property. Mm-hmm. So on an open viewing, we just take a name and an email address and we send an application through them through our app, Plan Verify. So they, the, the prospective tenant then can screenshot their references, their ID, type in all their information, and it comes back to us securely. Um, so it takes the pain out of it for them as well because usually everyone's busy. Nobody yeah. has time to be sending, you know, scanning and photocopying and running in and out. So it takes, you know, it helps them as well. And we get their application then in one PDF document, which we can discuss with the landlord then as well. It just comes in very clear. So from your team. point of view, um, there's obviously an advantage here from GDPR compliance. Absolutely. That everything is in one place. Yes. So you can deal with things more compliant. Yeah. But um, and I, I suppose this is something that will vary around the country, but 
an average two bed apartment or three bed semi that you're looking to let, how many potential applicants would be applying? So we could have, um, on an open viewing, we could have anything from seven or eight interested parties up to 19 or 20. So that's a yeah. lot of paperwork to yeah, go through. it is. Okay, so do you have a, do you have a system whereby you can actually uh, bet in terms of what makes a better potential tenant? So do you, do you have a checklist and is it more things that that checklist pushes somebody up on the list? So we kind of look, we take a whole view, I suppose, of um, somebody, you know, and at times certain landlords, it comes back to our landlords as well. Some mm-hmm. landlords may have had, unfortunately, bad experience in previous years and they will want to rent to somebody with a really long track record of renting. So they will want to know that this person has can back up that they've rented in a number of properties for five years, six years and so on. Some landlords are a little bit more flexible than that. So it goes back to the client as well and the properties. Mm-hmm. We try and match the right tenants with the right properties and landlords as well. Okay. Which is still a very and, manual job. Yeah, yes. but I suppose, look, we're at it a long time. Our key people are here combined 70 years, right? We know what we're doing, right? There's nothing better than gut. Also somebody's story. You know, we don't want to rent to somebody who's working in Cork and wants an apartment in Waterford because experience tells us it's not going to work out. If somebody's looking at a property and we look at their disposable income, the affordability, no matter how much they like it, if we see that they can't afford it, it's not sensible to rent them because it's not going to end well. What do you use your as your affordability marker? Would you be looking at kind of 30% of their income? Look, um, if somebody's on a part-time income and they're looking at a property for 1,200 euros, it's a bit of common sense, really, mm-hmm. is what I would say. Um, what are their other, if they've no other income, you know, coming in, we have to be sensible about it. But the sad fact is that people are desperate, mm-hmm. you know, and, and but we have to make, we're paid by our clients, our landlords, so we have to make commercial decisions. Sometimes as well, as Maria said, if somebody might come for a property, mightn't like we had three very nice guys look at an apartment yesterday we knew they weren't the right fit I sometimes equate us to a dating agency we said hold on a minute now we have another property that we think will suit you better happy days suits them and the landlord's happy with them so there's always ways around it okay and in terms of supply and demand actually in terms of the rental market in Waterford what is the balance like there Look, it's a disaster. It's the same as everywhere else. Maybe Dublin is worse, obviously. But no, there isn't enough supply for people. And, you know, we see some very sad stories. And, you know, ultimately, when people have to move out of their property and they're given notice um, and they're renting, um, it's very difficult for them. Um, Ireland was always going to be moving towards more of a rental economy. It has been moving that way for the last 10 years. So between marriage breakdown, family breakdown, it means one home is now two homes. Then you have more people cohabiting together. They move in together rather than buying. We have a transient society. So people, you know, don't want to be stuck buying a property. They want the flexibility. Then you have the whole thing of uh, zero certain type of contracts, um, employment contracts, which means they can't get mortgages. Um, obviously central bank lending changes so all of that combined means that more and more people I mean we're 40 odd percent of our society are renting now it's 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 moving more towards half of the people who live in a home now rent the other half own and I think younger people uh, want to be more transient okay well that's that's looking at maybe the younger population but you mentioned there in terms of marital breakdown, suddenly you have older people going out to rent for the first time. 
lifetime rental isn't sustainable there once you get to retirement age because as our rents increase the state pension certainly isn't going to pay rising rents so how how do we reconcile that so well there is housing assistance payment which mm-hmm. you know a number of people will apply for and they'll be they'll qualify for it you know and that it's not just for people that may be unemployed it could be people that are part-time working gone back to college um have retired you know um it's means tested so it's quite a fair good system and it makes the option of renting off a private landlord affordable to people that may not have been able to afford it before. Okay, and I understand obviously um, legislation prohibits landlords from excluding people who are in receipt of any state benefits towards housing. In reality, um, and so again, I understand the legislation involved, but in reality, do landlords have a difficulty in accepting? Um, some landlords do but it's our job to educate them so the first thing is HAP is a method of payment it does not define the person Mm -hmm. there are good people on HAP not so good people on HAP there's good people working not so good people working our job is not to discriminate it's to give everyone a fair chance and to do right by the landlord also of course so we educate them and we explain and we talk about the profile so if somebody's working in um, below the living standard wage they can't afford the rent on their own, so they need assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that they're lying down on the couch drinking beer all day watching Jeremy Kyle, which is sometimes this idea that some landlords have. No, that's not the case. It's our job to bring the people to the table with good references and, and it's case by case. Um, but obviously one of the big issues we have is that um, for people who are in receipt of HAP payments, that there is a threshold of rental that they can pay. And we know that you know, somewhere it's below 6% of all the rentals in Ireland are above that threshold. Now, obviously there are ex- exemptions to that and and local councils and local facilities will do that. But in Waterford, can people secure rentals yeah. within that threshold? Um, yeah, they can absolutely. Like I would have prospective tenants turning up to property viewings and you know, they'll tell me how much they're qualified and HAP and, you know, might say that I'm working or I'm not working or whatever. So we try and match them up to another property that's more affordable. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be sensible about it. You have to take but, responsibility. But is, is the stock there to do that? There is stock there. Like, there is stock there. I still feel in Watford that, you know, if you have a good track record as a tenant and really good references, you'd get a good property. Mm-hmm. Okay. You no, know, I, and, that's, and that's a possible if you haven't thing. got the references, it, they're just not the right fit for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and again, I think that that's something that's quite fair. So you touched on some of the technologies that yes. you're using. So we need to take a quick break now, but when we come back, we might just dig a little bit deeper into those. So we'll be back with Regina Mangan and Maria Clifford of Liberty Blue Estate Agents after a quick break. Your community radio for South Dublin. This is Dublin South FM. So welcome back to Property Matters with myself, Carol Tallon. We're on location in Waterford with Regina Mangan and Maria Clifford, directors of Liberty Blue Estate Agents. So ladies, just before the break, we talked about um, the business of property management and really from a sustainable business point of view, it's something that needs to be streamlined. So you mentioned some of the technologies that you've been using and um, a a trip to London that proved quite inspirational and and really got Liberty Blue thinking about the future and the future is now. So maybe we'll explore some of the individual or some of the specific technologies that you're using. 
Okay, so um, there's there's a variety of things that we've done, I suppose, in terms of big impact. Um, it took a long time for us to implement the system, um, and that was FixFlow. Um, it's a maintenance platform in 40 languages that you can report your maintenance 24-7. It's connected via our website. We're probably okay. one of three agents in Ireland using it. Do you Does every tenant that you're dealing with have access to this? Absolutely. Yes. By so, way of an app? Um, yes, they download the app. Um, and Maria might talk about that in a minute, but I'll, 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 I'll run through some of them very quickly. But like, that's probably the biggest game changer. It cut our maintenance time by 50%. If you can imagine, we were doing everything very manually, formerly. Now you can look at dashboards, you can see how long the maintenance was logged. People can log on from home um, uh, 24 seven in whatever language. But the big thing here is as well, there's tutorials on it where people can actually um, maybe figure out some of the more basic things themselves. I'm not talking about changing a pump or anything ridiculous mm. like that. Mm. But but we have to refine that now and add more tutorials because you're never static with change. You have to mm -hmm. make continuous improvements. But Maria, you might talk about that for a moment. Yeah, so it's they don't even know, need to always download the app. They can log on to our website. The app is built into our website and they can report um, their issues. Now, they do get prompts then. So if somebody wants to, I, my electricity isn't working. There's a tutorial there about how to reset a trip switch and very kind of basic stuff, you know, um, how to reset your pump if your water stops working, how to do that, like very simple tasks like that. So I don't know how to do that myself. That helps. You need to log on. <laughs> well, yeah. So <laughs> look at that. What, you know what's really interesting, right? Just to talk about that for a second. The lady, Carl, like the lady in maintenance, right? She's she's fabulous, right? She's with us three and a half years. Who's that? Caroline. Caroline. She's great. And um for her, right, she was able to reduce after time the amount of laborious time that she spent on mundane uh, low value uh, tasks, right? Because this system was able to speed everything up. It meant that she, we created capacity in Caroline's role for her to go out and about and do other works like inspect blocks and inspect properties. So it meant that we were able to save money doing that resource. But something magical happened her job satisfaction improved because she was getting out from behind the desk and getting exercise that she wouldn't have been getting. Yeah. And then obviously releasing endorphins and meeting people. And she had far more variety in the job. I love that. Actually, you've touched on something really important there. Uh, PropTech, certainly over the last number of years, what we saw was that many estate and letting agents were, felt quite threatened by this, when actually it really is the opposite. It frees people up to add value in for more valuable tasks so it's only the lower value more monotonous tasks yeah. that that can be that can be automated by the way I'm, I'm going to remind people that we're not in studio at the moment that we are out on location in waterford and i'm hoping that they can hear the the, the church. church bells <laughs> that's that's an important one yes absolutely so look all, all those magical things happen in terms of of the technology and it's a great buzz but we never finished implementing technology mm -hmm. then you know, when I think back, right, this this is probably the craziest thing that we did. When people rented a property, um, obviously we stopped taking cash probably 10 years ago, but we used to have this credit card machine and people would bring in their credit card and swipe through or they'd ring over the phone and we'd enter it. 
like when I think about how insane that was, and obviously we're dealing with a multicultural society now, and sometimes it's a it's difficulty for us to understand each other on the phone, and the time that's spent taking credit card numbers, spelling out someone's name, and obviously needing is, the process to make sure that that's secure. Ah, oh, look, uh, absolutely, yes. and the phone ringing, and you're losing calls, and frustration on both ends. Now we send a link. Maria found this once. Blink. It's brilliant, yeah. Would you believe we actually spend 70 hours a month dealing with people, paying in the office and over the phone? So you were able to calculate, actually yeah. I, love, I love hearing this, so you were you were able to narrow it down that 70 yeah. work hours yes, were going into processing hours. payments. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and and that's not paying our landlords, that's just taking in the rent and deposits. So yeah, I had to cover the desk myself for about a week and I really felt a lot of pain and quite aggrieved that I was answering the phone all day taking credit card numbers and people walking in. Oh, there's so many lessons in this. There's so many, uh, this is a good reminder for people, particularly at director level. Yes. It's so important to be all over every aspect of your business, not in a micromanaging way, but in a way that you actually are familiar with the pain points because you're then prompted to do something about it. Yeah. I love this. So you identified those wasted hours. Yes, exactly. Because what had happened as well is during the recession, a lot of tenants, you know, may have been, you know, in between jobs and stuff like that and standing orders were bouncing. So they all got into the habit then of just not really bothering with the standing orders of the transfers and I'll just phone in with my card every every month. So um, I did a time of motion. I added up how many minutes it would take me um, on the phone, <coughs> processing it, inputting it and so on. So it worked out at 70 hours um, a month. So anyway, very quickly then I said, I need to find a new way around this. Love this. So we use a system now called Splink. So when I'm out doing a viewing and somebody's going to rent a property off me and we've done the reference checking, we send them an invoice online, um, similar to like a PayPal invoice, Mm. similar idea. And they pay with their uh, Visa debit card or credit card, comes into our bank accounts. They can do that with their deposits. uh, Does that come in by text or email? They get a text reminder and they also get an email and they literally click a button, pay now and it's safe and secure. Great. I haven't heard of that. What's a Splink? Splink. Spell? S-P-L-I-N-K. And they're two Limerick guys. And and I suppose, look, it's important to note that a friendly little message goes with it um, and the property that they're taking. So it's very slick. And we have a guy, right, Cormac, who worked with us for 10 years. Cormac left um, and he's now working a few hours a week doing our social media and our videos with Maria and myself. And Cormac sent me an email yesterday and he said, Regina, I'm looking at the reviews on uh, Google and your Facebook page. Are you paying someone to write them? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, they seem to be particularly towards fixed flow. And I said, it's just the tenants love it. Yeah, right. So in terms of the customer service, don't underestimate the value then of reviews. So I would remind any agents listening to ask your customers to give you reviews. That's a tip that Christian gave me. Yeah. We ask as many people as we can to give us a good review um, if they're happy. And how, how do you do that? Do you actually... We don't have a great process around that. We've, okay. We have to get to that. Yeah. So we're, 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 everything is work in progress. But we, I constantly, every week, remind everyone, hi, everyone, we do have a team email, yeah. team at Liberty Blue. Hi, everyone, just a reminder now, muscle in on asking for references because uh, there are times there are good times to ask for recommendations or, or um, oh, there is and, and there are times that are not so good so you there does need to be a process around this there's a happy time yeah you have to pick the happy moment yeah <laughs> when they get it but in fairness we do have lots of happy clients and Carlin does a great job in the maintenance and they love the experience on fixed flow um in terms of other um shout outs that we'd like to give um signable look 
in this day and age, nobody should be signing a contract face to face unless there's a really special requirement there. Um, now, I, I also hope that this doesn't involve printing out anything and having to sign it and scan it and send it no, back. No, it's all no, online. That, no, those days click, are gone. No, you click on it and it's yeah. a signature, yeah. right? Yeah. But interesting enough, you go back to directors and owners of businesses being um, feeling the pain. I, a huge proportion of the change came when I sat on reception for three weeks. It's similar it was like, to what Maria yeah, was saying so, earlier. So uh, it was like getting under the bonnet of the um, car, right? So I could not believe the amount of people that came into the office to sign contracts. I was really agitated by it because it was eating up into its non-revenue generating Well, it's activity. interruptions as well. So it's, it's interrupting. Yeah, but it's work. also a pain in the neck for the people, the yeah, customers. Yeah. People just love the fact, no, no, no. You only have to come in for your key collection. Yeah. Everything else is done online and at the property. And I think that's something that will be phased out over the next decade as we're moving on to the next generation well, of keyless entry. Yeah, well, we like to meet people. We yeah. need to eyeball people. And we need to be happy they are who they are. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. very, very important because at the end of the day, in terms of renting property, it's a person's one of their most valuable assets. So we can never, ever get away from that. Mm -hmm. We still must meet people. Um, and um, back back to the desk. The amount of people that wouldn't sign signable online, right? No, 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 I can't. I can't fit my signature. I don't know how to do it. So I said, now, there always has to be a consequence to get people to do what you need them to do. So now we brought it in. It's on all our information. It's complimentary to check in online and sign everything online. But if you need to come to the office, there's an administration fee of 70 euro. How many people check in in the office? No one. No one. No one. It's brilliant. Okay, so that's a nice blend of, of carrot and stick to implement new technology. Yeah, it's, and by the way, that is that do you when you're talking about that administrative fee, do you mean from the tenant's point of view or from the landlord's? Because oh no, the tenant has to pay the administration. Yeah. No, but uh, I'm always interested in terms of adoption because you know sometimes adoption rates are broken down, um, or, or they tend to refer to the agents or the the staff of the agency involved. Whereas I'm always interested to hear how tenants are receiving technology. But more importantly, how landlords are as well, because sometimes they can be a resistant group. Well, it's it for it's law. They have to sign the contract. We're not meeting a lot of the landlords. We've got to review our PSAs. They sign them online. We educate them. We help them. We hold their hands. They have to do it. That's it. I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. If there's a special um, situation, of course, we would be very helpful. Yeah, Maria. I would say my experience dealing with tenants. 100% satisfaction with fixed flow. Yeah. I found the landlords a little bit more um, not willing to engage with it as much or not liking it. But I think it was because it was new and maybe, you know, there's yeah. generation changes or difference there would as well. These, would these be primarily um, maybe landlords who, um, this is not their core business. Yeah. This is not their core objective, you know, that they are they are doing something else as their full time job and they this is almost not really no. I think it's more there's some look, there's some people like all of us that are very tech savvy and some aren't so yeah. much. So it's new and maybe a bit of fear around using it. Yeah. And would have preferred to probably deal by phone or email. But, you know, slowly but surely they've all kind of adapted to using it. It keeps them informed and up to date. They can see mm -hmm. the contracts, report on the issue on their property, the quote that it's resolved. So it's actually, it's very good. They have, you know, 
that group that were maybe a bit resistant about engaging with it have actually changed and they actually really like it now. That's really yeah. positive yeah. to hear. Yeah. And um, just in terms of other technologies, you know, one of the things that we've seen a lot, because I'm conscious that we are focused very much on the property management side, but obviously you're a full sales agency as well. So in terms of um, online bidding is really, you know, that's kind of dominated the buyer and seller conversation in terms of well, technology. We brought that one in, so I'll let her talk about that one. Yeah, yeah so I use it as more so on properties where I know I'm going to have a lot of interest. Which system do you use? We're using BeagleBid. Okay, that's um, Healy Hines, yes, who's that's obviously right. an estate agent with yes. more than a quarter of a century of experience himself in the industry before launching this prop tech. So he was very well placed to understand the dynamics around Irish buying and selling. Yeah, absolutely. So the vendors really like that. It keeps mm -hmm. them up to date, real time. You know, they like getting an alert. Who wouldn't on their property? A new <laughs> bid has come in. I think we'd all be really happy. Um, perspective purchasers then, um, they either love it or hate it. Again, it's a generation mm -hmm. thing. So some of the, I would say, people maybe that are of an old generation are a bit scared of using it. But, you know, we'd help them or we'd show them or they'd get a family member to it. And then um, other people really like it. Um, we do get feedback. People really like the fact it's transparent. Yeah. You know, it's not a phone call from an agent saying, oh, by the way, I got another bid in an hour after they've put a bid in. They mm -hmm. can see it's real. It's in real time, you know. Um, so they like the transparency. I, I think the transparency is a really important one. I think all of our tools are leading us in the direction of greater transparency across every business, not just um, real estate. But in terms of the sale of properties, have you noticed any change in terms of, you know, if you're using an online bidding platform, does it tend to speed up the rate at which offers come in? It does speed up the rate. Yeah, it does. Um, and, and I think in fairness, I've had one or two properties where I think people may have got a little bit overexcited and regretted then and pulled out. Okay. So there's a bit there of is that risk with it as well. Yeah. You know. So again, that's something that we typically see in an auction room and this yeah. has a similar setting, but without the perhaps legal consequences. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. But that's very slight. Those cases are quite small. And there's another there's another um, system that we brought in, which might sound basic, but actually really helped us are sign management. OK. OK. Particularly for sales. Janie Mac, we put a sign up here. We put a sign up there. Who took it down? Where Who put it, it up? <laughs> Where did it go? How many signs have we left? Yeah. All that jazz, right? It's a bit of a disconnect. So uh, we engage countrywide online sign management. Are now, they operating out of Carlo? Um, I don't know. They're nationwide, they're nationwide aren't they? Yeah. yeah, fantastic. But do you know what? I couldn't believe it one day. We went over to Ferrybank and we had four houses for sale right side by side. And when I looked at the four houses, not only did they put up the signs, not only did they look after the inventory management, the slickness of it. In what way? Oh, they just, the beautiful posts, the way they were all equally positioned, it was tasteful. So, you know, um, again, I think gives us an edge, you know, um, and it's very slick. Selling now has changed because I think in the days of old, people, agents maybe put up ads and we were guilty of it ourselves in the past, put an ad up on the portal, like my home and daft and, you know, you're waiting for the phone to ring. Forget about it. That's all changed. Social media is where it's at. And, you know, again, we've been learning from what they do in the UK and we've been innovating um, from the UK market and we've really enjoyed it. Um, Maria wasn't, shall we say, keen to do it at the start, but she's a, she's flying now and um, I think she's getting stopped in the street and 
getting messages on LinkedIn and she's becoming um, very well known now in the space. So when you talk about social media, you're really talking about a kind of a, a video campaign through social media for each of the properties. Yeah. And I have seen some of your videos. They're excellent. In fact, I think you're probably one of the only Waterford agents, would that be fair to say, putting out regular video content? Well, I suppose, look, what we're conscious of um, is that um, not only are we putting out videos of properties that we're doing, we also are giving property updates. So. We are the, as far as I know, we're the only agent in Ireland that's doing a property show, Waterford Property Watch um, in Ireland. That's a monthly show. Um, my guy that was videoing it has left the country, so I'll ha- I'm will i a month behind for 2020. And where can people find that? It's Facebook. We promoted Facebook Live. Then we edited back. It's a 25-minute show. We edited back to 10 minutes so we can fit it on LinkedIn and Instagram, uh, Instagram even, um, and the other platforms. But that's a live show. Sometimes we're getting anything between three and 4,000. Um, that's amazing. Watching, yeah. yeah, at the time. So it's a show we're invite on a variety of different guests, like going back to the North Keys, we had Niall Harrington from Fjord Harrington Architects, who's the main architect behind the development, speaking and talking about all the development that's happening. I had Des Porcelain, an auctioneer, Parcel Properties, I'm chatting about the market because our view is that it's not a platform to promote. It is indirectly Liberty Blue, but we're there to talk about what's happening in the market. Yeah, but look, it's very important that obviously you have your established client base. Um, so however much we're aware of operating in silos, we all tend to do it. And in fact, the only way to get out of that is to speak to your competitors, but also to, you know, maybe speak to people slightly outside of the the city who are looking at investing and maybe understanding why they want to or why they rule out doing Well, people who've watched the show have contacted us um, um, about buying investment property in Waterford. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Maria um, has done a number of videos um, talking about different estates and what's happening. Maybe you might give a couple of examples. Yeah, so we would go to, we would do an analysis on different residential estates. So Mm -hmm. we would give an overview of maybe the last 12 months, average price of property, you know, what type of property you can buy within those estates, what's currently for sale in the estates, not just through us, with other agents as well. Excellent. That's a great idea. So it means that people even even actually, whether it's they're thinking of buying and selling, but also even in terms of when it comes time to calculate for property tax and things like that, there's a lot of information out there. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and that own property are information hungry, I think, as well. I, I think you're right. Now, she's one thing, you know, we always talk about the trends and buyers um, and one of the things that consistently comes up, whether I'm speaking to an estate agent or I'm speaking to a mortgage broker or, or a developer that's selling new homes directly we're always told that actually one of the key differences and one of the trends we're seeing is that um, people are far more educated and fully informed on the marketplace now, which is obviously a good thing. It's what we want to see. But before we finish up, I need to ask, because there's been so much progress um, over the last number of years, I need to ask what's next for the next decade for Liberty Blue and indeed for Waterford? Well, before I answer that, do you mind if I say something to agents listening? Please Um, do. uh, Three years ago, we went. I went to the Property Excellence Awards as a guest of Pinergy, and I decided that we would enter the awards when we were ready, which was 2019. And we had a lot of work done where I felt we were worthy of being shortlisted. Okay, so we put a huge amount of work into the application. It blew our mind on the night when we won. 
we beat off some and congratulations that's a firms. huge achievement Thank yes you. so i suppose what i would say to any agents listening don't be afraid to punch above your weight um you know um that award meant the world to us to be in a room of our comrades industry peers media etc thousand people in the room and in the convention center in dublin and it has given us an enormous boost and added to our credibility, improved our networking context, all of that. So don't be afraid to enter these awards. Don't think they're just for the big guys. And if anybody wants, um, you know, to get in touch with me and get some feedback in terms of our application, our door is always open. But, you know, don't be afraid to do that. Um, what's next? What's the big thing in Waterford? Um, the big thing is one, I think let's not ever forget our well-being and our happiness. I want to enjoy coming to work. I'm 23 years in business. I, I love the people I work with. You know, Maria's 16 years with the company, Nora's 12 years, Miriam's 12 years. You know, um, Susan was with us 10 years. She's come back. Cormac was with us 10 years. You know, we want it to be a great place to work, regardless of what happens, mm -hmm. because we only have one shot at this. So it's a stressful business. You know, and I think we should never, ever forget our own our own happiness. Um, so that's always a priority. Um, Maria, better let you talk. Well, just <laughs> plan, plans for the next year. Um, so plans for the next year. I think we're going to be working um, hard on perfecting our offering, um, especially with sales and our the whole side of digital marketing. I mean, we've only really started that over the last 12 months. So I think we're going to be very heavily focused on that for the next for the next 12 months ahead. Well, I, I look forward to see what comes next. That was Regina Mangan and Maria Clifford, directors at Liberty Blue Estate Agents. Thank, Thank you, you both. for coming. Thank you for joining us um, on our Waterford special. And that's it from us today. Thank you for listening in to Property Matters on Dublin South FM, the show where property matters. Get in touch with the show by emailing hello at iPropertyRadio.com or on Twitter at iPropertyRadio. Also, thank you to Peter Rice on sound and show producer Katie Tallon. We're back at the same time next week from myself, Carol Tallon, and all the team. Have a great week. Oh, 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 oh,